as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. Where is your home? Where is home for you? I had a professor who asked this question on the first day of class. He tended to ask it, and on the surface, it's not that strange of a question. Uh, It's pretty typical, but the more that you think of it, the more provocative it actually becomes, because usually we ask the question, where are you from? But but this question, intentionally, our, our professor asked, where is home? Where is home? Right? And it's a much more expansive kind of question when you begin to think about it. So, so what comes to mind for you when I ask that? Where is your home? Right? Maybe it's the place where you live, right? A, a house or an apartment where you spend your time, where you sleep, where you get ready, so on and so forth. But maybe it's a group of people who you feel loved by and safe with. Or, you know, maybe you thought all the way back to to your childhood home, right? The house you grew up in, the town that you grew up in. So where is your home? I've mentioned uh, before that, that last month, Caitlin and I went down to Texas along with my brother and his family to take care of things with my mom's house. Uh, we were there for a couple of weeks and, and kind of went through things, cleared some things out. And, and this was not just my mom's house. It's also the house that I grew up in. Uh, our parents moved there when my brother was only a few years old, and, and I was born uh, while they lived there and, and grew up in that house my whole life, all the way until going off to college and, and such. So, so as we went through the house last month, we weren't only going through my mom's things, we were also going through quite a few of our own things. And so we dug up old elementary school art projects that our mom had stuffed away in some of the drawers, right? We unearthed all kinds of old memories that, that reminded us of, of life and, and growing up. And on our last day there, after everything had been sorted and, and cleared out and packed up, we spent some time together sitting in the living room and, and kind of intentionally saying goodbye to this house that had always been our home. And my brother even took some time to write a letter to the house. And so so he wrote, you know, Dear Collingsfield Drive, the, the street that we lived on. He said, Thank you for keeping us safe, warm, cool, together, and cradled for as long as we've had memory. You held us and watched us as we laughed, cried, played, fought, made up, made art, made breakfast, lunch, and dinner, made our beds, and made our lives. And he wrote about some of the pets that we had, some of the activities that we did, and many of the memories that we made. And he ended the letter with this. To the house, your memories live inside of us, and our memories live in these walls. Thank you for being our home. Love, Brent, and Drew. I also signed it. So we sat in the empty living room 
And we read this letter together. And we gave thanks to God for this place that had always been home to us. And something struck me as we sat there, reflecting on it, reflecting on this home. It struck me that, that these floors are the ones on which I learned to walk. That, that these walls are the ones that our voices bounced off of and I heard and, and learned how to talk. This, this roof was the one under which I learned how to pray. Right? And this, this front door is the one that I went in and out of most days of the first almost two decades of my life. It, it struck me as we sat there that in a very real way, this home has made me who I am and, and continues to as I, as, I, as I continue to walk and talk and, and pray and live. These are all things I learned to do in that home. And so I'll ask you again, where is your home? What is that place that gives shape to your life, that makes you who you are today? Maybe another way of asking it, where do you dwell? So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying to the crowd, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like the wise person who built their house on the rock. The rain comes down, the flood goes up, but the house stands firm. And then he says, but whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on the sand you guys know the song, the rains come down, the floods go up, and the foolish man's house went splat, right? That's, that's how the song goes. And in saying this, Jesus lets us know that his word is a firm foundation. For those of us who follow Jesus, his word is the home in which we dwell. It is the home that shapes us, where we learn in many ways to walk, to talk, to pray. It is the home that makes us who we are. So as we continue reflecting on this this morning, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be headed this morning. We'll be reading verses 14 through 17. Uh, and as you're turning there, I'll remind you that we're in a series that we started a couple weeks ago talking about our liturgy, talking about what we do when we come together to worship each week. And so throughout the series, we've sort of just been shining a spotlight on some different parts of our liturgy in order to reflect on them. Why do we do it? What does it mean when we do it? Um, and, and doing that so that it doesn't become just kind of a rote thing that we do together, and, and also to kind of consider how are we shaped by these different pieces of our worship, of our liturgy. And so a couple weeks ago, we started off by talking about how, how we are gathered in prayer, and, and the Lord's Prayer is kind of like this dinner bell ringing, saying, come together, right? Come to the table. 
And then last week, we talked about what actually happens when we sing and how it unites us with God and unites us with each other in really unique and powerful ways. And this week, I want to focus on dwelling in the Word. How Scripture is a home that shapes us, forms us, and makes us who we are. Right? This is a core part of our liturgy, of our worship service, both our dwelling in the Word time, uh, as well as this time right here where we open Scripture together, we read it, we declare this is the Word of God, and, and we reflect on it together. And so to do that, uh, let's hear these words from Second Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your word and for it being a good and safe place to dwell. I pray that as we consider these words together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we reflect on Scripture and on, on its role in our worship, I want to continue holding on to this image of Scripture as a home. Not only a functional place to live, but a formative place to dwell. And, and with that image in our minds, we can kind of walk through this passage and see what it has to show us. So, so what we just read, Paul begins this passage in verse 14 by reminding Timothy of the role that Scripture has played in his own life, in, in Timothy's life. He says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings. And so in some ways for Timothy, Scripture is like a childhood home, right? He grew up in it. It's always been there. He has always known it. And, and this is how Scripture might be for some of you, right? Some of you were, were born going to church. You grew up going to Sunday school. And just like Timothy, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings. And this is, this is a really good thing, right? I think that as Paul writes to Timothy, he wants him to know what a great gift it is to have always known the Scriptures, and to be familiar with them. But familiarity can often get in the way of curiosity. Has anyone ever experienced that? Those of us who grew up with scriptures can often begin taking them for granted. So, so when my brother and I were, were 
down in Texas at, at the house last month, there was this one morning that we were sitting together in the front room of the house. And, and we looked up on one of the walls and we saw this painting that has always been there. It's sort of this, this raccoon standing in some ethereal wilderness holding onto a branch and looking at a grasshopper, right? And this painting has always been on the wall. We never questioned it. We never really thought about it. It was just always there. And, and while we are sitting there together, I just kind of turned to my brother and said, where in the world did this come from? What is this painting, right? It's always been there. I mean, this raccoon has watched us grow up throughout our entire lives, and we have never even asked a question about it. We don't know a thing about this painting. Where in the world did it come from? For, you know, we, we had become so familiar with it that it had become invisible to us. And for the first time, we took a moment to really look at it and be curious about it. I never even knew there was a grasshopper on it until until this time of looking at it. I just knew it was kind of, oh yeah, that raccoon painting. That was it, right? But for those of us who have grown up in church, I wonder if scripture has at times become like this raccoon painting, right? Familiarity gets in the way of curiosity. We become so familiar with our Bibles that they sort of become invisible. I mean, when is the last time that, that you really read Scripture, not with familiar assumptions, but with genuine curiosity, ready to be met by God? Right? This is what Paul encourages Timothy to do. Continue in what you have learned. And, and yet, there are some of us who maybe didn't grow up with the Bible. And, and rather than it being like a childhood home, reading Scripture is like walking into a stranger's house. And if you're not familiar with it, the Bible can be a very large house that's very easy to get lost in. And so what we need when we're in a new place that's strange and unfamiliar is a guide. Someone to show us around Someone who can tell us where the kitchen is, where the bedrooms are, where to get food, where to rest. And now, there are a lot of amazing tools out there, right? There's great study Bibles, there's great devotional books, and, and in many ways, this is one of my jobs here, is to be a resource and, and sort of a guide uh, for this. But more than any study Bible, or minister for that matter, we all have a sure guide in Jesus, right? And this is true whether you grew up with the Bible or are totally new to it. Jesus is a sure guide to us all. And this is what Paul goes on to say in verse 15. The sacred writings are able to instruct you for salvation in Christ Jesus. And so the scriptures lead us to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who can lead us through the Scriptures. The purpose of Scripture is to bring us closer to Jesus. And you don't need to know Greek for this. You don't need to know Greek or Hebrew because it's possible to have a technical knowledge of Greek and still be quite far 
from Christ. We see this in, in the scribes, in the scholars, in the Gospels. They know the text, but they're far from God. You don't need to know Greek to turn to Jesus as you read Scripture and ask, what does this mean? You know, God, what are you saying to me through this? What are you showing me about yourself in this? And so I I encourage you, make use of all of those tools, right? Get a good study Bible, right? And and study deeply. But, But most of all, turn toward Jesus. As as we read scripture, may it draw us closer to him. So so how does all this work, right? How how do we actually do this? Well, that's what Paul goes on to describe in verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, Now, this first phrase, inspired by God, has been debated for for centuries, right? People have taken this phrase and they've tried to explain the exact process of how God inspires Scripture and and there's all these complex theories that abound. And for all of that, this passage really doesn't tell us how God inspires Scripture. It only tells us that God inspires Scripture that we can trust it because it is from him. And so this phrase, inspired by God, I know I was just dogging on the Greek, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. it, it it's just one word in, in the Greek. It's, it's a theopneustos, and theo means God. Pneustos is the word for spirit or breath. And so I, I love, if you have the NIV, the way they translate this is all scripture is God-breathed. That's a really good translation of this. I really like that. Because you see, respiration has to do with our breathing. Inspiration has to do with God's breathing. All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. The image here is the same as that image of the Spirit hovering over creation, right? Or whenever God breathed life into humanity in the beginning. Scripture has this creative, life-giving quality to it as it forms us and shapes us and makes us alive. There's another image at work here as well, I think, that, that that's helpful for thinking about this. So I've, I've done this illustration with you before. I'll do it again. I want you to take your hand and hold it out right in front of your mouth. And then just say something. Say hello. Say your name. All right. Say whatever you want there. So as you do this, what do you hear? You hear your voice, right? But what do you feel? You feel your breath. Right? You feel your breath on your hand. Right? And, and the idea at work here is that though scripture comes to us in many different voices, it is all the breath of God. 
So scripture may be in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, right? It may come from the voices of Moses, of Isaiah, of Daniel, of Peter, and Paul, and John, right? But it is all from God. Scripture may be in many voices, but it is all God-breathed. This says a lot about God, I think, who meets us where we are, who speaks to us through our own human languages, enters into our own cultures and customs. Truly, the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. He did this not only in Jesus, but but in the very words of Scripture that we have. All Scripture is inspired by God. But now, I, I think this word inspired can be kind of misleading for us. Because in today's age, inspirational has a very specific connotation, often associated with self-help books or Hallmark Channel movies, right? But, but scriptures are not always easy and uplifting. They can be difficult and challenging. And this is what Paul goes on to say. In the rest of this verse, he says, Scripture is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so, so we'll take these in pairs. First, teaching and reproof. Teaching shows us what to think about, but, but reproof, I think, shows us how to think about it. So reproof is not a word that we typically use in everyday language. Uh, so maybe another way of thinking about it is, is critical thinking, right? To, to not just blindly follow and believe what we hear, what we learn, what we experience, but to think critically about it, right? And measure it up to the truth of God, to the gospel, right? So teaching shows us what is true, and reproof exposes what is false. And so going back to that image of a house, have any of you ever been to one of those house of mirrors, right? Kind of the the carnival kind of thing. I, I think in many ways, this is what life is like. It's disorienting. It's confusing. It's you know, you can kind of get dizzy and very easily lost. And and Scripture is a mirror that shows us all of those other mirrors are warped, right? All those other mirrors are wrong. So the world around us is constantly shooting ideas at us, images at us, saying, you're not loved, you're not enough, saying that or, or maybe quite the opposite, saying you're fine on your own. You don't need anything. You don't need anyone. And Scripture shows us that all of that is really a distortion. None of that is true. And so, with reproof, it says these mirrors are a lie. And with teaching, it shows us you are loved dearly by God. And you can live in community. You need others. You need God, right? And so teaching and reproof 
it, it exposes the mirrors. And I think scripture is not only an accurate mirror for seeing ourselves in the world, but it's also like another image, a window that we can look through to really see God. Because that's the purpose, is to look through Scripture and draw nearer to God. Right? Scripture is this sort of divine window that we peer through to see what the kingdom of heaven looks like, to see the face of Jesus Christ. And so through teaching and reproof, we can see where things have gone wrong and what is really true. And then the next pair of words, correction and training. Again, one of these shows us uh, where something is wrong, and another one shows us where something is right. So so correction is is putting what is wrong to right. It's Another way of translating this word is restoration. So have any of you ever broken a bone and had to have a cast? Right? This is correction. Right? This is making sure that that bone heals properly, that it is corrected, that it is set. And this is the word that we see here. But then after you kind of, you know, get out of the cast, get out of the boot, whatever it might be, there's some physical therapy, right? You kind of learn how to use your arm again. You learn how to, to walk right again, right? This is training. These are the, the image that, that is here. It's, it's this picture of restoration and, and, and training and, and living out that righteousness that, that God has called us to and made possible for us. This is what grace is, right? It covers over the ways in which we have gone wrong, but it empowers us to live in the kingdom of God. And so scripture is good and useful for training and reproof, for correction and training, for teaching. And all of this leads to verse 17. It says, all of this is so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And so, going back to that image of the house, Scripture is meant to be lived in. It's meant to be dwelled in. The purpose of Scripture is to draw us near to Christ, but Christ is also the one who sends us out to live in the world, to discover the kingdom of God, to serve other people, And so, as we enter Scripture, as we study Scripture, the goal is not just to study the Bible, but to live the Bible. It's not just to know about Jesus, but to follow Jesus. It's not just about getting the blueprints for the house, but really living in it, dwelling in the Word. And this is ultimately what Jesus said. Those who hear these words and put them into practice are like one who built their house on a firm foundation.
And so what does that look like for you? To not only have the firm foundation, but to really live in that house. To not only hear the words, but to put them into practice. A couple of ways that we do that here, as I already mentioned, is this practice of dwelling in the Word. And so we come to this passage, whatever it may be, and we spend some real time in it. And we realize that there might be some raccoon paintings on the wall that we had forgotten about, right? We realize that there are some things that that we have glossed over that maybe we should pause and pay attention to. It's a way of moving past familiarity into curiosity. This is why we do this. We'll begin again next month with a new passage to dwell in, right? And another way that we do this is, is these moments right here, when we get to open Scripture together and consider it. And hear, what is God saying to us right now? But more than that, where is Jesus calling us right now? Because Scripture should not only be studied. It should be lived. A house should not just be looked at. It needs to be lived in. And as we live in Scripture, we are formed and shaped. We learn to walk. We learn to talk. We learn to pray. We learn the language of the kingdom of God. And so my prayer is that we would be a people who, by dwelling in the Word, are, as Paul says, fully equipped for every good work through faith in Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen.